Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for the Cleaning and Cocktails podcast. This is where I get the opportunity to speak with fellow cleaning business owners, small, medium, and large. We take the time to let them share their stories on the ups and downs in the industry. I also speak with other experts and professionals in the industry, from your manufacturers, your suppliers, trainers, as well as other types of entrepreneurs. My mission is to empower our cleaning industry to inspire and motivate each and every one of you. I want you guys to reach new heights of success and learn from one another. My goal is to have you walk away with some tips, secrets, advice, and opinions that are relevant to all of us in our day-to-day hustle and grind while we're out there in the field working every single day. So sit back and share a cocktail with us and enjoy the show. Welcome again. This is another episode of Cleaning and Cocktails. Today's guest is Terrell Wegg. She is the president of a family-owned business, second generation now, and they're out of Washington State. I'll let her get into more of what the company is, where the company came from, how she got started in the business. But one quick note is uh, we met each other only about two, probably a couple months ago, and we met at the BSCAI show out in Fort Lauderdale. And I, you guys always hear me plug that plug that organization, ISSA, all these other organizations where cleaning companies and business owners and, and management and staff get together. Uh, and this is one of those highlights of that is I met Terrell only a couple months ago. Uh, we got to know each other. I heard a little bit about her story. I told her a little bit about us. And I thought it would be a perfect opportunity for me to share her story to the audience, to everybody who watches and listens to Clean Any Cocktails, because, you know, it's not that there isn't enough Terrell, but I actually don't have that many colleagues that are women owners of cleaning contract businesses. So anytime I get to to do this or, or find a story I want to highlight, I jump all over it, which, as you know, that's why I reached out to you so quickly. So without further ado, guys, I have Terrell here with MSNW Group out of Washington State. This is a 25-year-old company, guys, and growing. So Terrell, please, you know, how did you get into this business? Nobody ever goes to college and gets and says, hey, when I graduate, I'm going to get into the cleaning industry. Right. Why would you do that? That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but first of all, what is uh, what cocktail do you have? Uh, so I have a vodka soda with a shrub in it. It is very delicious. Uh, I actually, go. this is a local blend. It's a, a little shrub mix here. It's pineapple sage. And you just put a little drop nice. in your vodka soda. It's fantastic. I love it. There you go. Well, I will, since you shared what you were drinking, I'll share what I'm drinking. I got an On the Rocks Old Fashioned with a little bit of Knob Creek. For I am not a bartender, so this makes things much easier because all I got to do is put some ice and pour. There you go. So, cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you. Cheers to us. So please, again, share the story. How did this all begin? My parents bought this little side hustle. Uh, They thought it was going to be a hobby business uh, back in 1995. And I was 10 years old at the time. My dad was a garbage truck driver and my mom was an administrator for a medical clinic. When they purchased the company, it had 10 employees and 10 buildings. And so they didn't really know what it looked like, but it was a profitable business. So they were excited to get into it. My mom was actually nine months pregnant when they bought the business, which is kind of hilarious when I think of that. I can't imagine buying a business at nine months pregnant. So my first memory of having this company was 
my family was at a State Farm Insurance here locally, and we were cleaning it because for some reason, the cleaner couldn't show up. So my sister is in her little carrier, and uh, my mom and dad are there, and I'm vacuuming. I'm like running up and down the halls with this vacuum because when you're 10 years old, everything is a game. And so it was fond memories. Now looking back at it, I mean, really unique and taught me how to work hard and appreciate what I have. My parents never were the kind of family that were like, here's a handout. So when I got older and needed money to do all the things, they said, sure, you can have a job. You can clean a bank after school. And there you go. So that's what I did. Once I turned 16, I could drive. I would clean a bank five days a week after school. And that was that. So my parents also didn't want to be my boss. They wanted somebody else to manage me. So they put a supervisor in charge. And about six months into me cleaning the banks, uh, the supervisor came to me and said, hey, you're actually pretty good at this. Why don't you become a supervisor? (laughs) Uh, Can you train people? And so then it turned in from me cleaning banks after school to working on the weekends, training people, uh, doing some orientations, actually, uh, in our home. At that time, our office was in our home. They had done a little add-on. So just, you know, walk on over to our office and do a training. Let me come up over to my office here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that was my experience uh, when I was at home. I also did some accounting. I was the receptionist because I would just, you know, walk in. During the summer, I would walk into the office and I would answer the phones for my mom. So uh, my mom was the administrative side. My dad was the operations side. And then uh, when I went off to college, I would come back in the summers and I would uh, help wherever I was needed. So whether that was going out and training people, if we had a big startup, I would help with that. Uh, I would do sales or human resources. So doing the hard labor and uh, being so heavily involved in our family business, it wasn't really something that I thought that I was going to come into. And so I went out to college thinking I was going to be a forensic psychologist. And then I discovered all of the labs I had to do with that and all the science required. And I decided that was not the path that I was going to do. So I switched to being a business major. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, 2008, the downturn of the economy happened and a lot of my friends were struggling to find jobs. And then I of course had this family business over here. And so I asked my mom, Hey, do you think that there's a place for me long-term at MSNW? And she was really hesitant. She wanted me to get experience working elsewhere because that's really valuable, I think. Uh, And so she had thrown around like, why don't you go work for one of of my colleagues, you know, somewhere in the United States, I'm sure I can, I can get you connected that way. And uh, she actually, it turned around in like 30 days and said, you know what, actually, I need a salesperson. (laughs) So why don't you come work for me? (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you come work for me? Why don't you do sales? Uh, You can also do human resources for us because our, at that time, our operations manager was doing all the human resource things. So I started in January of 2008 and uh, yeah, started doing human resources, sales, was doing some accounting and kind of had this hybrid role going forward. And then since then have just been in a lot of different uh, roles in the company. So I was the human resource director. I was a director of sales and marketing. Uh, and then I moved into the president role two years ago. So it's a little bit of the history there. There's a lot we could 
unravel there uh, just because there's so many things I like about the story as far as, you know, I've, I've always gotten people that say, Rick, family businesses don't work. I don't understand how yours is doing it. Um, that's a, you know, an anomaly, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I, you know, if you could give us an idea of from 95 to now, like what is the growth of MSNW or did I say MSNW. Right? MSNW. Yeah. How, like, where did, where is it? Where was it back then to where is it now? And the reason I ask is, do you feel that a lot of that is attributed because of the family, the family feel of the business and the family dynamics that started everything? Good question. I'm not exactly sure if it's the family. It could be because it just the absolute trust you have that somebody's going to get the job done. I, so when my parents bought the business, I'm not sure how large it was exactly. I do know in about 2001, they had grew it to be a million dollar. I want to say when they bought it, it was around mm -hmm. a $50,000 business per year, potentially, right? It was very, very small. Yeah. It was a hobby. Something that they, they some, uh, yeah. yeah, something that they probably service yes. all themselves. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. So from 95 to 01, it grew to be about a little bit over a million dollars. When I came into the company, uh, let's see here, 2009, we made the $5 million mark. So that was one year of me being in the sales department. And I don't remember what it was in 2008, but I remember 5 million being a really big deal. And then now we're a $20 million company. So yeah, I mean, just look at that. Like I want people to, to really take, so 95 to 01, you, you surpassed the million dollar mark, which is a big deal, right? 08, 09, you're at the $5 million, which I agree, that is another milestone. And I say that for people to listen because those are milestones that a lot of the industry just never reaches, right? There's a, it's a fragmented industry where people that hit the million dollar mark, big, big congrats. You hit five, big congrats, because a lot of people hit a wall at like three, four, five million, and they just don't grow anymore. So for you to now say you guys are at 20 million, that's phenomenal, right? Like that is, you're in the small percentage of the top of the industry, you know, pat your own self on the back. But like, what, 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 do, you what do you think allowed that to happen if it wasn't just the family dynamic? I think finding the right people who you trust and can depend on is so important. We've always just viewed this as a family business. And so there's a deeper level of care for our team members that we have. So, and realizing, I mean, the reason we made it to the milestones we did is because we realized we had to change things. You can't just keep doing things the same way and expect a different result. That's not, that's insanity. So realizing at every mark that we needed to change a bit, we needed to adjust the structure. Uh, we really needed to hone in on what we wanted that culture to be, which was a deep caring for the person of our team members and really getting to know them and being able to uh, have that relationship. Uh, one thing that we've done, we implemented in 2010 is our care fund. And this is something we just, we saw a need for because we have a lot of low income people working for us, minimum wage jobs. We've always paid above minimum wage, but that doesn't get you very far. You I far. mean, a lot of these yeah. people have multiple, multiple jobs. So we would have team members who couldn't make it to their job site. And so we were giving them 50 bucks to fill up their tank or whatever it may be. 
I remember one Christmas, uh, we had a team member who we knew was not going to be able to celebrate Christmas with their family because they didn't have the money for a tree. They didn't have money for gifts for their family. They didn't even have money for groceries. And so our general manager had heard about this and came to my mom and I and we're like, you know, what can we do to make sure that they have a great Christmas? Because they were such a valuable employee. I mean, they bled MSNW. And so we decided to give them a Christmas. And so on Christmas Day, we brought them a tree and a ham and gifts for their children. And just the amount of joy that we were able to give their family oh, yeah. and also felt yeah. as well by being able to, to gift that was phenomenal. And so from that, we decided, you know, we should we should actually have like a care fund so we can do this all the time. So we developed that. And what it is, is MSNW uh, allows team members to give money out of their paycheck every single pay period, whether it be a dollar, $10, whatever. We actually have one person who gives $100 out of their paycheck every single wow. pay period. So this is and the so, team in general. This is not this just is, you guys on yeah, the, at the yeah. executive level. This is like, hey, this it's open to the entire team. This okay. is the team. So it's very and transparent. It's very transparent. And then MSNW matches at 100%. So the team donates and oh, then we awesome. give a match. And so all of those funds are used for MSNW team members. They're not for outside use at all. So uh, another instance that we had that happened about two years ago is we had a gal who was trying to escape a domestic violence situation. So we were able to put her up in a hotel, but that was just a temporary fix. And in talking with her, she had enough money for rent, but she didn't have enough money for a deposit to get out of the situation. And so we were able to gift her uh, the funds for a hotel and then gift her the deposit so she could get out of that really scary situation um, and get on her on her feet. That's like I got goosebumps right now, right? Because it's and it, you know, because obviously somebody could say, oh, well, if you're a big business, you can afford to do things like that. But you just said it's the employees get involved. So take away the fact that it's, you know, I got the executive or the big business level doing this and creating a fund. You guys have engaged employees that are actually participating. That's, I mean, that's got to build, build the culture itself right there, right? Because you guys show that you care. So I, because I, I try to tell this to a lot of business owners that, I mean, in the beginning, it's a grind. I mean, you are, you are gritty. You're trying to get things done. So you're not thinking of things like this down the road, but it does. You don't have to do the the big things like throwing a party for somebody or you're helping somebody with rent. It's the little things that count. Like just showing that you care actually can go such a long way because then people will look at you as the business owner or management. These people are listening. These people actually care. It's not just the business that I work for. It's a family that I work for because you guys are showing. I mean, that's. For others that are listening like that, that's a key takeaway on, you know, just being empathetic to your, to the team that you have out in the field. Cause you, it's, it's a, it's a low income job. You know, there's no way around it. The, the entry level positions or because, you know, the technicians that are in the field, you know, I, yeah, it would be great to pay them 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks a month, an hour, but that's, we wouldn't be in business. We wouldn't have the opportunity to give them. We wouldn't job. have the account. <laughs> like good luck bidding no. that <laughs> yeah terrell let's talk about i actually this is something i actually i don't think i've ever talked about or, or touched on and i think this would be a perfect opportunity so you went 
you went through the ranks, right? You've learned so many different aspects of the business. Uh, and actually, I mean, even in my case too, like this is something we're just going to start going through where it's always the thought that, all right, you're the owner, so you're the CEO, right? Where that doesn't necessarily have to be, right? The dynamic is as, as you grow as a business, like you said, you have to adapt. You could have ownership, but then have a CEO put into place, have a president put into place, have a vice president. Like, again, this comes with growth, but like, when was that moment that you guys saw that you had to have, have other people, other titles other than just ownership or the common CEO role? Well, I can tell you right now, we're actually hired in a VP of operations. So we're $20 million. We've kind of been stagnant there for the last two years. And it just doesn't, we had opportunities, but then uh, the consistency isn't there. And so it's really just become clear that, okay, we need this next level of management. And the reason for that is, is we have multiple branches throughout the region and they are kind of operating like their own little company, but there isn't the consistency and standardization. And honestly, just being really uh, efficient at what we're doing or having the uh, procurement uh, process streamlined so it's easier and more affordable and we can be more competitive. So that so that's a new position we're hiring for right now, VP of operations. Uh, but prior to that, it really was just, evaluating weak points and troubleshooting how we can solve that. And a lot of times it was adding that management position that we didn't have before. And it's, it's trial and error. It really is. I mean, you don't get it right the first time, most of the time. So uh, I, I think for, yeah, I think for myself, it's like, okay, let's try this and let's see if it works. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. We'll go this way. And just having that flexibility and nimbleness is really important for growth. Yeah. And you know what? Like to even go further on that too, it's like, I, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but like as we, on, my, on the Rosalato side of the business, you know, we're looking to add management, executive level type positions now, but we've always just hired with it. You know, everybody's always just grown in the business. We've attempted to hire a few times outside of the organization and, you know, go get that person with experience, but they didn't fit the culture, right? Or they didn't, I, I don't know what it always has. It's always like, oh, they haven't gone through the shit like we have. Uh, you know, how do you just come in? And so it's it's tough. It's actually not easy when you have such a passionate group of management that's like, mm -hmm. hey, man, we've all grown here. Who's this person that's coming here with 20 years right. experience? And But I feel there's got to be that, that um balance though because at some point you mm -hmm. do need that you need somebody who knows more than you and has been around the block you know do, do you agree or what like you said you don't get it right the first time obviously we didn't get it right the first couple times now but it's like i still want to keep trying though because you can right. only hire so many leadership or management roles from within your organization because a lot of people are okay with where they're at you know in in, in the position that they're right. at. right well, and a lot of people don't, they're good for where they're at and they can grow with the company to a certain extent. But, and I think that's one area where we have failed is we have promoted people to a point to where they can't succeed anymore. And yeah. they were an amazing mm -hmm. team member and we put too much pressure 
on them, right? Yeah. And they didn't Agreed. have the skills to delegate or, uh, I mean, really, it's just delegation at that point. Once you get to a yeah. certain point in leadership, you have to learn to delegate and hire additional positions as you're growing. And so if you yeah. can't figure that out, then it's just doomed. So uh, for us, that's that's been the struggle. And I think for me personally now, it's keeping the amazing team members we have that have shown longevity and being able to leverage them and get them to where they want to go within their capabilities and knowing what that is. So really honing in on that leadership aspect and having that relationship with them so I can know fully what they are capable of doing so I don't set them up for failure. So I really do yeah. think that's such an important thing as the the head leader of the company, you have to be you have to have those intimate relationships with your top management so you know where they where they're going and how they what how their stress management is and all that stuff. So Terrell, so back on the family part, because uh, I get all I get this all the time too, is Rick, does it ever stop? Like when you got like at Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthday parties. So it's you so it's you, your mom, your father. Was there any other family that was involved with the business? Well, my two little sisters have intermittently been involved in the business, but not really. Um, my, my parents are actually divorced now. So my parents got divorced in um, 04-ish. No, that's not right. I don't know. Somewhere around there. 04, 06. <laughs> it's all blur. It was when I was in college. Uh, and so then my mom took over 100% of the business at that time. And my dad stepped out. So now... My mom has retired from the business. She's chairman of the board now. And actually my dad is working for me currently in my in, in our maintenance department. So it's kind of interesting having him be back in the business. Oh, I've, uh, I've got the same I've got the same story. I got my yeah, my parents were really? both my parents my parents were divorced. The my father passed away a couple of years ago. Um he was my first employee, but they both worked with me. And now my wife's mother and father both work with us and they're divorced. So yeah, I, I got the tricky. same, same, it's tricky. Uh, yeah. everybody gets along though. Everybody gets along. Yeah. We're, yeah. you know, here. It's, all, it's all for, for the same, the same goal here. So it's good. I mean, I, we needed to establish boundaries. Um, we needed to establish boundaries because my sisters are so much younger than me. They're 10 and 13 years younger. So, I would be over for dinner and we'd be talking about work and it really was wearing on them. And oh, yeah. I could imagine. so that made that really, because of that, we separated it and we are like dinner time. We don't talk about business after seven o'clock. We don't talk about business. So those are just some things that we've established. And my mom and I now are really good about just going on a walk, just the two of us. And then we talk about business versus talking about it in front of everybody else. And I'll, and a lot of times too, some, everybody knows everybody. Yeah, I mean yeah. everybody knows everybody, and so we. I may be having this issue, and I don't necessarily want somebody else to hear it, right? So I need to be able to take that to my mom and have us go be, be able to troubleshoot it without listening ears. And not that it's ever, you know, not that anything's going to get back, but it's just not. I don't like that. It's gross. It's. I don't want, yeah. whenever there's anything like that, I don't want that to be out there. So. 
let me know again. How many are you guys in five states? I think you had mentioned earlier. Or how many states are you guys in right now? We're in three states right now. We're in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Three states. Yeah. Three branches. Uh, one in Bellingham, another one in uh, Tacoma area, and then another one in Portland. And about 350 employees. 350 employees. You have multiple branches. Did you expand into those areas because the market told you to, or you? Did you have a client that took you into those markets? Like how, how does expansion like that into multiple states happen for for a cleaning contractor? Because that's, I mean, it's I, it's common, but it's really not common, right? Like there's, you've got to have some kind of structure or reason to expand into other states. Right. Our clients have taken us into multiple states. So that's why we are, we're there. We also, we provide total facility services. So janitorial is how we started but now we do everything from the roof to the parking lot for our clients so uh, our landscaping division is actually about the same size as our janitorial division now oh so you guys do landscaping too we do landscaping snow removal we're general contractors everything amen to that because that's how we've grown Uh, i mean what that i mean that's a reason in itself right where you become full service so your client doesn't go elsewhere i mean they they go to you for every type of service. Right, exactly. I think it's the way to go. I think it's hard. There are a lot of people who try to duplicate it and don't do it well. We do a lot of the services in-house. And so that's a differentiator for us. A lot of people who try to do it end up subcontracting everything out. And then you can't control the product that you have. So uh, we have, it's a pretty good mix of uh, in-house versus subcontracted. So one thing I didn't want to forget to bring up Um because you know we're com- coming to an end here shortly. Is Terrell being a woman-owned business, right? In in a in the cleaning industry, I have a lot of women-owned business owners that will reach out to me on Facebook, on you know Instagram, LinkedIn, and they they feel like they have a they have a chip on their shoulder and there's there's weight on their shoulder. You know, they're they're a mother of two kids. They're trying to establish a business while. You know, they have the family at home that they feel that they have to be, you know, in charge of not more so than the husband or, you know, the father. But it's just, a lot, you know, especially in the Latino community for us in, in the Hispanic heritage is, you know, the woman stays home to take care of the kids. And that's just the way the dynamic works. Well, that is not happening now where I've never I've seen so many coming out of the woodworks now where they're they're motivated more than than I am sometimes. What what advice do you have for them when? You know, again, like we said in the beginning, it's tough. Shit is hard. You are doing all the work yourself. You've got to get over that hump. You've got to build a team around you. You, it, There is no one, one size fits all type of solution. What would you say to those that are just starting off in the industry in, in this era, right? You know, post COVID even now that we're talking about it. Any words of advice that you have where, you know, I feel like you have a lot of credibility in that space where, you started from the bottom, right? Even though it was a family business, you've learned every role there is to be to have in the cleaning organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you say to them? Well, that's a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, we're gonna end. This is all, I wanted to end with this because I'd be I would have missed the boat if I didn't ask this question because, again, I'm asked by a lot of women business owners too that they're like, Rick, I want to see more women on. I want to hear the stories of other women business owners. Not that I don't love you, Rick, but I just, you know, they just feel more relevancy hearing from people like yourself. Right. Well, I mean, for myself, a big part of why I'm successful, I think, is because of my 
relationship with Christ. And I just like lean on that hard. And so I like be a hundred percent honest with you. I mean, I don't know. I couldn't be the leader that I am the mother or the wife that I am without my relationship with Christ. And so that is my foundation and has, given me the tools and guidance to know what my priorities are and really have a clear vision as to what that future looks like and, and how I get there. And I mean, like I said before, I don't always get it right, but I, that's, I, that's been my success. And I think, you know, secondarily to that is, having a really strong support system because you can't do it all. I mean, I, there's, I, I couldn't have homeschooled my kids during this pandemic and run this company. It just wouldn't have been possible. And so we have had a long-term nanny who is literally our family. And she just completely took that burden off of us, my husband and I both and, and helped us with that. And I mean, I know that people starting out are like, well, that's cool. I can't afford a nanny. Right. Well, I couldn't either. When we started, I was relying on family and friends and whatever you have to beg, borrow and steal. Uh, but once you get to a point and you have that trust established, then, uh, you know, you can, it alleviates a lot of stress off of you. So that's huge. And just going back to, really prioritizing family over everything. I mean, I think that's key. Uh, And having that same, I mean, for us, that's part of our culture, family over everything. Your kid has a baseball game, go. Uh, Your kid, you know, whatever. You need to go on a date with your spouse, take your freaking spouse out, right? So that's all such a big foundation to your life. And um, anyway, so that's, I mean, that's, I don't know that that was really even an answer, but that's how I have found success. And uh, read a lot of business books. No, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I wanted. It's just, uh, that's, it's, it's just the realness, right? The answer of just, that's how you did it, right? right? And I'm going to take a note of that too. Nanny, I've been looking for nannies too. I did not realize I was going to, I would need a nanny, but I've been hearing a lot of good things. And I and I think it's, you know, just going to give me the, the, the peace of mind to know you know, like, because my wife stays home right now, takes care of our two boys. And that's a job in itself. And I, you know, thank the Lord for her to, you know, well, thank for this opportunity for us to be able to do that. But the fact that she can ask, actually stay home and do that is, that's a blessing right there. So I, what I what I wanted to ask you too, Terrell, is, uh, I mean, I mean, you, you, you nailed it already with how you answered that question, but the, the last piece is, as you are continuously growing the company, do you feel it's important to have, you know, now that you need to answer this, like what a perfect answer is like exit strategy, right? Like plan for the future, uh, plan where you start to mold other other people within the business to get ready to come up and grow. Because uh, those are questions I always get asked, you know, like for me on the startup side with, with the mm-hmm. tech company. Uh, I never really thought about that for the mm-hmm. cleaning business, but I've been thinking about mm-hmm. it more and more. Like, how how are you planning for the future? Like, is that something you feel like you have to think about? Well, I've encouraged everyone on my team to have a number two, succession planning. I mean, always, forever, know who your number two is. So 
I am pretty young, so I don't see myself stepping out anytime soon, but it's some, definitely something that I'm always looking at and thinking about is who's my number two. If I'm, if I'm not able to do this job, who's going to step into it? And uh, so I do think that it's something that every business owner should be thinking about. And for any key leadership in your, on your team, you should, they should know who their next person is or be training the next person. Uh, and some people feel threatened by that, but you got to get over that, the whole ego thing. You just, yeah. You got to get over it. I mean, we, I yeah. just say like, if you were hit by a bus, Great. what would we do? Like you've taken all of this what, information what we and we have nobody else. Who can, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So let's end on some funny stuff as far as, you know, I always ask one of these questions towards the end of the conversation is, especially you being in the field since you were 10 years old, do you remember a certain point when you were in the field as a cleaner uh, that you're like, what the hell was I doing? Or any kind of a story of you in the field that just give us a funny oh my, story. Yeah. <clears throat> funny story. You? Yeah, you did get me. I Well, this isn't a funny story, but I will say one of the things that I, we've been, this is not a funny story at all. And it's not answering your question. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to pivot. <laughs> hey, it's all right. Could... So yeah, we're You're pivoting. pivoting. So uh, we had a huge snowstorm that came up this past winter and uh, we did not have enough shovelers. So I was out with a freaking shovel shoveling a hospital this last uh, December. And let me tell you, that was quite the experience. It was so much fun. I mean, I have to say, I love emergency simply for the fact of like, you get this rush of adrenaline and you're just getting the job done. And was it the best use of my time being the president of the company out there shoveling snow? Probably not. Was it fun? It was so fun. And my team was able to see me working side by side with them. And I was doing the grunt work. I was not on the plow. I was freaking shoveling sidewalks. So and I didn't even have the freaking blower like everybody else. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? There was a purpose why you pivoted because how funny is it that I just, tonight I have to go out and strip and wax about a thousand square feet because we literally have, we have three teams that are all out of state performing the service. We got the call from the ownership. They have, they have the mayor coming in. They have all kinds of people coming to this location tomorrow uh, and we have nobody that can go do it. So me and my cousin have to go. I haven't stripped and waxed before in good. three years. So, but again, yeah, my QC manager, she's like, Rick, this is the stuff that I love to see. She's like, I'm, I'm, this is like ammunition for them to give to the regular technicians. Like, hey, if he's got to go do it, I mean, this is how everybody steps up, you know? So it's funny you say that. Like literally 22 hours before this call, I just realized, you know, I just got told, Rick, you got to go stripping wax tonight at seven o'clock to yeah, two like, in the morning. Yeah. So uh, we're pulling all night. You probably shouldn't be drinking right now. He's probably yeah. having a Red Bull. So. <laughs> I just, I did have one. Actually, I did have one. I got another one lined up, ready to go. I do want to say before we're done, wait, before we're done, I do want to say the other thing that I want to plug for cleaning, individuals in the cleaning organization who have a cleaning company, uh, BSAI. I'm going to plug BSAI until I'm blue in the face, but it is the organization that every cleaning company needs to be a part of, especially those women that you were talking about who own these cleaning companies investing in going to the conference, going to Vegas, which is in November, is key to being able to level up. You can get connected with a peer group. 
peer groups are made up of all sized companies all over the nation. And they are one of the biggest game changers because people will just share with you their practices that they're doing and you can take it and you can implement it in your business. I mean, best practices, you don't have to rewrite a freaking playbook. You can just take their playbook and use it. I mean, number one success is having these colleagues that you can call when anything comes up and use their best practices to implement in your business. So if you're starting out, like that is the number one investment in my opinion. So Great point. And I mean, you read my mind because I was going to ask if I was going to see you on November in, at Vegas. Obviously, you're going to be there, right? Oh, I'm going to be introducing you. So <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, no, you guys heard from her too. Like, that is the truth. Peer to peer. Like, not that there's not enough business books or podcasts or things that are out there that help business-minded, you know, folks. But who better to learn from than the other person that is in the same industry as you building a business, maybe at a different stage, which actually preferably would be the goal, right? Yeah. Is these peer groups have different levels, right? BSAI does a great job. Uh, Robert, right? Robert Stewart? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So like Robert does a great job at, you know, he, because he's been reaching out to me. I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to join one as well. Oh my gosh, you have it's, to. It's the best. No, I have to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm part of a mastermind group, but it's that's different. Like, I feel like a peer group is more, you know, group of three or four. You get to really know these people and they're different levels and stages, different markets, uh, just different, but still similar because we've all gone through the same pains. So like, like you said, why not share? I've had people that literally said, oh, you need your SOPs here. Here's mine. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yes. Exactly. I, that's, that's way better than me looking on Google. I know. Thank you so much. Yeah, you can't even find it on Google. I mean, we got into manufacturing and I had no idea how to bid that. And so I called my friend on the East Coast and I was like, can you just tell me how we bid manufacturing? And he was like, yeah, hey, let me get you connected to our lead operations guy and he'll walk you through it, give them the plan, he'll help you bid it. He can even come out and train your team. I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> see, like that. I mean, again, that's, that's, that's the benefit because again, the market where there is so much business out there, like it's unbelievable how much business is in our space. And it's it's just gonna get more and more bigger because of COVID too. So well, Terrell, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for spending almost 45 minutes here with me. When we send out the episode, we'll have contact information, company website, you know, maybe you know, any other social media channels that you have. Sure. If we're cool, we'll plug those in Absolutely. just because, you know, people, they want to connect. They'll hear something that they heard on the episode and they'll say, hey, you know, is it cool if I reach out to her directly? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to talk to whomever. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys know, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Again, this is Terrell Wegg. Thank you for tuning in and listening. And until next time, guys, thank you.